The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. New Year, new you. Is that how you approach a new year? Should you? Helen Vaughan, our resident psychotherapist from Maynooth Consulting, is with us. So is it new year, new year, new you for you? No. And I don't think it should be. I don't think it should be for anyone because it's too much pressure to reinvent yourself or do all the things you feel you haven't been doing, which maybe you don't like or maybe they don't come easy to you. So possibly you shouldn't be doing them anyway. Do you know what I mean? If they don't suit you, it's like... I saw a guy out for a run earlier and I was looking at him going, does he look like a runner? Is he a January runner who'll run for the month of January? No disrespect to running or runners or anything. It's just, I guess it's not trying to pressure yourself to reinvent yourself in January and become a different person. I may have said this to you before, but I had a work colleague many years ago who used to say that you couldn't really change people. We were talking about employees, that once people get to a certain stage in life, they're fairly fixed so, as in set rather than maybe fixed, but that you only get change out of them on an incremental basis, if at all. And that's the point I'd like to make, is that rather than new year, new you, make small incremental changes to things you're already doing or things you have done. Like, for example, movement. If you feel you're moving a bit, but not enough, just up it by 10% or 15% rather than taking up a new hobby, joining a new gym or doing something that doesn't feel like you. Do you know what I mean? If you feel you're not sleeping properly and we'll get to sleep tomorrow, but, you know, go to bed half an hour early or get up 15 minutes early if you feel the mornings are mental. It's just do things in incremental, small changes, set realistic, more achievable goals. So don't start setting New Year's resolutions. I kind of don't believe in them. And I saw someone write set intentions instead of resolutions. And I thought just the word there was different. Something you'd intend to do, not a resolution as if it's a rule. And you set your kind of goals too high. And then when you don't achieve them, you get annoyed with yourself and it ends up having a a negative effect, effect, which isn't helpful then. You want to talk about improving your self-care and the four pillars of wellness, as you describe them. And those are? So these are four things that if you do a little bit of each as often as you can, you'll be okay. So the four pillars of wellness are connection. So that's connecting with people or things or hobbies or craft or art, sport, whatever. It's sleep. So it's getting enough sleep for you. And again, we'll talk about that more tomorrow. Um, it's nutrition, so it's eating as well as you can. Again, not pressuring yourself now that it's... That doesn't mean necessarily going on a diet that I'm going to lose the stone and no, weight. No, and dusting and off sit. the smoothie maker and getting yeah. it out for a month and then putting it back there for another, you know, 10, 11 months of the year. It's just trying to eat as well as you can. Make small incremental changes, like we just said, rather than starting a new diet and then finding it's too difficult you don't achieve it and you get annoyed with yourself so it ends up having a negative impact. So nutrition as well as you can and I'm not a nutritionist so it's figuring out how much fresh food you can have how much diverse different types of foods you can have and trying to eat regularly and three meals and all those things. And movement is the fourth. Movement is the fourth and again it's trying to do what you enjoy. I think a lot of people pressure themselves to go to a gym and lift weights or run a marathon or do something that maybe they don't enjoy so it's finding whatever movement you like whether that's a walk with the dog a run up a hill if it's a marathon if it's golf, if it's whatever it is that makes you... I expected you to be extolling the virtues of sea swimming. Sea swimming I love, and but other people don't. And other people are sick of sea swimmers banging on about it, which is fair <laughs> enough too. So I try not do to go on about it too roll, much. Do I do, but I use it for swimming. Although I wore it out today because it was raining and I thought this isn't cool because I'm not actually near the sea. But it's finding whatever works for you, finding a tribe that maybe you like and again you connect with so you get your connection hit as well and doing movement that you enjoy, that you like. So that then... I suppose, feeds into your next point of lowering your expectations, which is another way of saying setting realistic goals and targets. 
Yeah, and making them smaller. So it's not like run a marathon, although I did just enter the double marathon, having not done it for 10 years. So maybe I'll achieve it, maybe I won't. But it's just trying to not expect too much of yourself and not demand too much of yourself and then be disappointed if you don't achieve it. I think too many people try to do too much at the very start of the year. And I used to find, you know, as a swimmer, you'd be in the pool in January and it'd be jammed. And then by the end of February, it's nice and empty again. Don't just do something you don't like for the sake of doing it. Find something you like. Set your expectations realistic for you so they're not too high and you don't fail. Link to that, you have a point about feel your feelings. What does that mean? This is a real therapy one and it's one I think a lot of us don't do because we're not used to it. So it's it's allowing yourself feel feelings. If you're angry, anger is not a bad emotion. It's not a naughty thing. It's a thing that if you behave in a certain way with your anger it's not good for the people if you're shouting at people who aren't the source of whatever's annoying you but you know it's basically knowing if you're moving away from kind of ugly feelings like anger like grief like rage resentment any of those things but allowing yourself to feel the feeling if you are grieving if you are sad whatever it is sometimes it's a matter of naming it and just allowing it to exist rather than trying to distract yourself and avoid it I've heard it described that feelings are like you know when you switch on your car and in the dashboard there's all these lights that come on that hopefully all switch off once the car gets going but feelings are like that fuel warning light or a warning light in your car that are trying to draw your attention to something and say you're unhappy about something or you're angry about something or something is annoying you. What is that? And let's figure it out. Be curious about it rather than annoyed with yourself for feeling a strong feeling and see if you can do anything about it. See if you can talk to somebody about it or at least acknowledge it to yourself and kind of name it. You also have about taking some downtime or alone time. I would find, for example, alone time is walking to work. And that's finding it where you can, where you can work it into your day like a walk to work. A lot of people either drive or cycle or walk kids to work or school so they lose that, although you might get it on the way home. But it's it's trying to find some alone time and if you're in a partnership, giving it to each other if you've children together, you know, or making sure that you give it to yourself. Sometimes put it into your calendar at lunchtime at work if you need to or wherever it is, block it out so that you stick to it. And if you're not doing enough, try and do it once a week and see how you get on. And if you do okay with that for a couple of weeks, go up to twice a week. You have on the list about practising gratitude. How do you practise gratitude? Well, what I used to always do is pick three things you're grateful for, or this is what I do with clients, and do it either first thing in the morning or last thing in the evening, I find is a good way to get your brain into another space. If you wake up not in good form or you're going to bed and you're a bit frustrated with what happened that day, Pick three things from that day that you're grateful for. And the smaller they are, the better. Might be that you bumped into someone from work and you had a good chat and they were friendly. It might be that you had a walk and it didn't rain and that was pleasant for a day. You know, it's finding little things that you liked, even if it's a nice sandwich you had for lunch. It's trying to, if life is tough, and it often is, particularly at this time of year, you know, people can be very down and very depressed, January, February, March. It's a tough time in Ireland, I think, but it's trying to find small chinks of light or small things that maybe you did enjoy today, even if it was just for a couple of minutes, even if it was an exchange with somebody or something on social media or a photograph or nature or just something that gave you something Joy might be overstating it, but at least pleasantness. That feeds into the next point you have down on the list for me, which is improving your mindset. Yeah, and the first step to improving your mindset is noticing what your mindset is. So we we have what's called either a fixed or growth mindset when it comes to different things. An example of that would have been like when I was in school, I wasn't great at maths and I probably still have a fixed mindset about that, that I'm not good at maths and that's the end of it. And I've heard people talking that maths isn't about being good or bad at it, it's about how it's communicated and taught to you. But 
it's noticing if you have a fixed mindset where you don't believe your skills can be improved or that you're stuck. It's I'm stuck and I'm not good at maths and I never will be. That's a fixed mindset. And that kind of thinking lowers my self-esteem or it can make me feel more stressed than if I'm facing my accounts for the year and I'm like, oh God, this is my weakness and I'm not good at this. And whereas a growth mindset is thinking things like I'm making progress, I'll keep trying, I'll do my best. It's having flexibility in your thinking and knowing that you have the ability to improve outcomes for yourself, that you can keep learning. It's like that phrase, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I know I did with dogs and I do with clients all the time. You can learn new things and your mind is an amazing thing and can always learn and adapt and get better. So even with maths, I won't say I've ever tackled it, but I'm sure I could get better at maths if I tried or if someone taught me in a certain way. So it's just trying to notice if you have flexibility in your thinking about certain things like you as a partner, you as a friend, you as a worker, you as a driver, like any different part of your life, you can be fixed or you can have growth mindset on it. Just a final thing, Helen, because it strikes me an awful lot of these things we've been talking about are things that, are they things you have to do on your own for yourself or should you look to involve others and get help? Well, the idea of these ones that I'm suggesting are ones that in theory you can kind of do by yourself because they're incremental, small changes. But I would always say to people, if you feel particularly anxious or sad or even a little bit anxious or sad, I always think no harm to talk to a therapist and check in see what's going on for you, see if you want or need or are prepared to pay for more help with it or if you're not. I always have clients Or if, or if you can't afford it because money is a source of a lot of stress for a lot of people. They're often, a good friend will be able to help you with these things, won't they? The only thing with friends and friends are great is that they often advise you what to do and they mightn't necessarily just listen and that's the skill of a therapist is that you listen in a non-judgmental way. Not that friends aren't great but just notice if they're telling you what to do sometimes and maybe you don't need that at that particular moment. Sometimes you just want to be heard. But, you know, I would say always reach out for help if you want to. And I would urge you to do for anyone to do that more than you probably do. And just talk to someone or ask for help at home or help with children or just if you can't afford extra help. Like I got an au pair a few months ago and it's an amazing support in my house with my kids when I'm trying to do everything. It's just figuring out what you can afford, what's around you in terms of support, friends and family. If you can afford it, great. And if you can ask friends or family, also great. Okay, we leave it there. Helen Vaughan, psychotherapist with Maynooth Counselling. Thank you very much for being with us. 087-4100-102 gives you the last word by text or by WhatsApp. And Helen, come back to us tomorrow because sleep, I think, is a major issue for many people for physical and mental reasons. And we'll chat about that on tomorrow's programme. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today FM.